Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, Kyle Maloney here from Full Stack. We have another episode of Savage to Sage, and I'm here on the podcast with John Qualls, um, and we're excited to have him here today. He is the CEO and president of Purpose HQ, and um, it's an Indiana-based talent optimization company that helps organizations understand how to empower their employees. I'm just excited in that first sentence to know uh, more about Purpose HQ, and I'm excited to have John on the podcast uh, today uh, for us to kind of discuss his journey, his specific role within uh, Purpose HQ, and kind of the evolution of the entrepreneurship journey, which is savage to sage, and I hope to get some good nuggets from him today. So John, thanks so much uh, for joining uh, me this morning. Great. I'm really happy to be here today. It's awesome. Okay. Can you tell us a bit more about Purpose HQ? I would love to know more about uh, your company. So uh, I'll try to keep it concise because I could tell a long story. But uh, part, I used to run a nonprofit kind of coding boot camp, and I really kind of fell in love and seen this, this need, not only in my entrepreneurial journey, but also just people creating purpose-driven organizations. Mm. It's one of our most challenging problems, right, today around retention and getting the right people on the bus. And, and I really wanted to, to impact that and create an organization. I, I kept hearing it. You know, I kind of lived it myself. I think a lot of times I saw purpose or culture within an organization as being a move instead of a movement. And I wanted to, to make that difference, right? I was really curious about solving that problem. So we really kind of come in and really try to understand, uh, help an organization guide their culture, use some tools and things to kind of get insights for understanding. We do uh, workshops to take that understanding and put it in action, and then coaching from an accountability standpoint. That sounds amazing. Um, I, I love what you do. Um, and it's so needed. Now, it didn't start there. Can you kind of go back as far as a timeline within your kind of entrepreneurship journey into where you landed here today? So just to be clear, the, the long journey, right? Uh, you know, I, I almost hate to admit this, but I think I was probably about 42 or 43, which was about 10 years ago. And I realized that uh, everything I've been a part of was an early stage company. I was either the founder or one of the original five of like eight of them in a row. And it just never, you know, so it's, maybe it's a mental illness, but it was, it was just kind of, uh, I found myself always wanting to be innovative, looking at things differently. You know, if I could boil it down, you know, my tour duties and things that I've done has always been about a problem that I'm curious about and that I want to solve. And I think that's really, you know, so often we tell people to chase their passions. A lot of times I tell young people, why don't you find a problem you're curious about? And then, then all the other stuff will start to happen, right? Uh, you can have something you're passionate about. You know, I kind of like golf, but I'm a triple digit golfer. So, uh, you know, it's hard to get paid that way. Uh, but really, that's where I really think the value is, is, is it something curious, a problem you're curious about. That's great. And so when you were to go back, to kind of your experience, reflecting on your experience just 10 years ago, and you found yourself 
in kind of these startup uh, kind of companies, like, is there anything that you noticed in that for you? Just kind of like your role and how you play in that space or, you know, kind of if you've reflected upon like, I'm curious to know why I ended up in those in those circumstances. You know, there, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more, but really understanding like what your superpower is and then realizing that your superpower is your weakness under pressure and that, you know, you got to build a team. But to me, I've, I've always felt like I'm kind of a visionary and I tend to be three or five years behind. took a long time to figure that out. Uh, a lot of times why I couldn't understand why people couldn't see what I could see. Okay, so that's my superpower. But then the uh, under pressure, right? Uh, you know, the integration and uh, the execution of it, I need to surround myself with people who can do that, uh, right? Because I tend to be looking forward and I need to be surrounded by people who can take care of the, the now and not necessarily live in the future. Now, this is kind of switching over to a little bit about, you know, uh, Purpose HQ. Was there like an event that kind of forced you to kind of start Purpose HQ? You know, kind of what led up to that? Well, it's kind of, a, it's always to me, it's, it's a series of things that start to stack up until they hit a crucial mass. And then I'm like, then I lean in, right? And so I, I mentioned I was running a, a nonprofit coding boot camp, and I kept getting phone calls from CIOs and CEOs and said, what are you feeding these people? And I was like, what do you mean? They, uh, we do feed them, by the way. And, uh, and they said, they're really changing the culture of my team. I remember one CEO called and said, my development team is here on Friday at 7 p.m. What have you done? I, I could, there's nothing I could have done to force them to do it. They're doing it because they want to do it. And so that's what really got, you know, for me, the other organizations that I had, had run is, um, is how do you uncover that discretionary effort and get people who want to be there and, and lean in for the, you know, the great bold journey. And so that was kind of where it led to, I said, you know, uh, I've struggled with this. I think there were there were times um, where as a leader, I, I knew all the words, but I didn't understand the why behind it and I couldn't articulate it. So part of it was, you know, I feel like this is a problem I had. There's a lot of other people who have the same problem, leaders, organizations. And it's like, how can you get over that and get to the other side of just having like this really great culture that people want to be part of? You run into maybe a competitor. You know, to me, the best competitor and I think this is the best way to run your business is you have such a great culture that your competitors want to come work for you. And so there was, there was competitors I'd run into and I wanted to understand what were they doing right. So it's really all this, this kind of my journey and that most recent journey. And I was like, I really want to help organizations find that. Like, I'm really curious about, you know, what is the underlying parts of purpose and how does that all work? Yeah. So that's kind of how I started this. You know, I was coming off of that. I do things in three year tours of duty. Um, we'll unpack that later, but I always look at, you know, I want to commit to something for three years and then what do I want to do in year one, two, and three? And then at the end of three, I take a big step back and say, do I want to do this for another three years? So that's where this kind of, uh, it was actually purposely with an LY, uh, but apparently LY stands for Libya and no one can get our emails. So we rebranded the purpose HQ, but that's what it kind of got this started. And uh, I'd, I'd sold a company and and I had, uh, you know, maybe for about two hours thought about retirement. And then and I said, you know, what the hell is that all about? So I just figured I'd jump back in. So that's how we, that's how Purpose HQ came about. And uh, we were uh, leaning in real good for the first year. And, and uh, you know, we kind of, there's a software play I thought was in, 
in here, which is still around, but, and then COVID happened. And uh, then it was like, you know, oh no, what are we going to do now? So. Yeah. And that, I imagine that involved at a pivot. Um, yeah. It, it, it involved, uh, I think, slamming on the, the thing is I was about to hit the gas, right? So I'd like done all these things to hit the gas. And then literally a month before COVID happened, I was talking to one of my mentors and, and I was like, oh, what's this pandemic thing? And, you know, and he's, I said, you know, I think I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait a quarter. I'm going to wait two more. It was like two months to the end of the quarter or something. And uh, man, I'm glad I, I'm glad I waited. Uh, you know, it's cost me a lot to get through COVID, right? You know, one, one of the things I thought about was just shelving it, right? Let's put this on the shelf, come back later. Um, but I made the choice to invest in some of the tools that were in my head. Uh, and so now we have some downtime, uh, let's just keep ourselves busy and do that. So, so that's what we did. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a moment. <laughs> that was, uh, right. That, that, for a lot of people it was, and for some people it still is. Absolutely. Well, you know, let me, let me, let me pull in some people. It still is I'm seeing, uh, you know, I, guilty of it as well, or maybe in the same situation. And it's like you survived and now there's like, and now what? Right. And now, you know, it's the next crisis, right? We have a crisis of crises, right? Recession and all those other things. But to me, you know, part of it is just continuing to, to listen to the market and listen to your clients and just get out there and add value. And, and what is the next three years look like? You know, for me, I'm up on my three years and I was kind of like, you know, but I had to give myself an 18 month hole and it really doesn't count because <laughs> I'm not, it's a, it's a very unusual thing in my lifetime. So, but I think there's a lot of people who's like, what's next? Yes. Oh, I mean, I think, you know, when I think about the work that you're doing during the pandemic, a lot of people thought, how am I living my life? And what environment am I participating in as well? And how do I, you know, be part of a workforce that is meaningful and significant to me? And, you know, when I think about your business, I'm thinking, this is a really, really valuable within the market because I think more than ever, people have rethought about, hey, it's not about just getting the work done. It's about how am I you know, growing myself and being a part of a business or an organization that is you know, uniquely fulfilling for me and for my giftings and those types of things. So um, yeah, we have a thing we do. Uh, so I've been doing this for free for executives and leadership, a thing I call the Purpose Gap Matrix. But it's a, it's a process of, of five questions. Um, at the end of the day, it's, am I doing what I do the way I do it? Why I want to do it? Am I growing? And am I on a journey that I want to be on? That's the fastest I've ever done it. But, but I do that for executives and those in transition to help them quantify it so they can make a decision to either lean in, right, or make a change. And I really don't, we don't promote it. It's not on the website. But I, I feel like I get about five or six a week now. Um, you know, we talk about the great resignation, but I think people are just saying, you know what, um, I'm going to, I want to be somewhere, uh, that I feel like I'm valued. And, um, you start looking at people leaving, uh, exactly what you said during COVID. They're like, what am I doing? I think you saw a lot of people that I like to say the great uh, retirement. You know what? I think I'm done. I'm out of here. Right. Because they fill their time with other stuff that seem to be more fulfilling and said we're done. And so that's going to create a tremendous opportunity on the what I call the human capital supply chain, right? The people start moving out, new people come in, and the next generation they kind of like to make sure that they're what they're doing has some purpose, and that's where I think companies are struggling to um, define it. Yeah, absolutely, makes tons of sense. 
Yeah. And that's why I think that your company has so much to offer in that space just from our short time talking. So yeah, super excited for you guys. It's been a road. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of like, um, we were shouting this four years ago and people were like, huh? And then now it, it feels like it's really starting to, uh, uh, starting to resonate in the market. That's good. That, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. We talked a little bit, you know, kind of how you entered into uh, your current role as, you know, kind of the company has developed. And if you haven't alluded to it by now, like what has been some of your like personal professional test um, and how has it become a great teacher for you as you've been an entrepreneur? I think uh, not only in this, this particular cycle for me, but through my whole career, one of the biggest challenges is uh, I kind of call this the founder challenge, right? And it took, it took a long time for me to get to this place in that my superpowers uh, have a, a, a time frame associated with them. And there comes a point where, am I really the one that should lead this? And then the inability to let it go and to put someone in place that can serve its next iteration, I think is always something for founders. That's really an emotional thing. It's like your baby. And then, you know, you run into people who never give it up, you know, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but for me, you know, by looking at it in tours of duty, is am I serving kind of the mission of what this thing is supposed to solve? And am I enjoying the journey myself? And then starting to build a team, right, that can offset what some of those weaknesses are, right? I'm trying not to get on my soapbox here, but I think there's a uh, a crisis with mid-level management development in the uh, in in the workforce. You know, we had the 80s and 90s where they would just cut 10. percent They always cut from the middle, and um, so now what we've we've lost that middle tier. Uh, where that goes to me is how do I fill in that middle tier? You know, because in the beginning, you know, I'm like a rugged individualist, and at some point, it needs to it needs to become a team. And then what's my role in that team and things like that. Yeah. You bring up so many excellent points and, and I love how you kind of put, you know, your tour of duty and then specifically, you know, a time frame within your giftings and, you know, realizing when to let go, you know, just to kind of double click on that a little bit. Is there experience or advice that was given to you to kind of help facilitate that learning for you? Yeah. Uh, I think I've been on both sides of it in that, you know, I've had a board come to me and say, I think we, we need to make a change. And, uh, and that was handled really well and allowed me to kind of come to my own place. Right. That's a growth opportunity for you. And then, you know, and what comes around goes around, then I've, I've come in and tried to help someone else give up the reins to me or, to, or, you know, from a board standpoint, make a change and, and help them through that process. Um, and it's a process, right? It's a process of discovery for them. You know, it's always kind of an emotional uh, journey. You know, a lot of times the first time through it, you think you're the only one. And then you find out that there's a, this is like, <laughs> this is a whole thing, right? And um, so I think that's probably been the experience for me. Uh, and then I think uh, my, my coaching business, which I, I, I don't know how that happened, but more and more coaching where I run into leaders who are kind of struggling with what their contribution is and what their next steps are. And, you know, one of the great things about kind of coaching is it also helps you build up your own thought processes and things like that. So it's really been such a blessing and, and I have, it's 
such a rich interaction for all the right reasons. Everybody's learning and developing and just it's a beautiful thing. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. And it's it's one the reason why I kind of double clicked is because for me, that's in my experience, I've seen that, right? There's just kind of founders and specifically in the entrepreneurship space, there's so much that you're doing and it is your baby. And to to do the exact opposite of letting go and building a team around you almost seems counterintuitive to what got you to where you were in the first place. I just love, you know, kind of the sage advice uh, that you provided, um, which kind of leads really well into kind of building a team. You know, when you think about building a team around you, you know, what are some key factors that you think about uh, when trying to bring somebody on board and what's important in that process for you? And this kind of leads into a lot of the Purpose HQ stuff. Um, you know, for me, uh, a lot of this uh, understanding people, not a natural movement for me. I, I hate to admit it. And so a lot of times I was looking for tools that give me insight for things that just weren't a natural look, right? So part of us is what are the analytics of it? And then I felt like a long, long a big part of my career uh, when it came to, um, you know, putting together a team, I felt like I was playing with checkers and I needed to move the game up to chess, right? And really understand where the, the, the organization was and then what team need to be in place to serve the organization at that point. And then the ability to, to guide them, to put them in the place the best place for them, right? Or to help them with a transition. You know, my, uh, one of the things I, you know, I, I talk a lot about around the purpose gap matrix is an exit with grace. Nobody likes making some of those changes, you have to guide people through it. And by the way, the change doesn't mean that they're out. It just may mean that, that I see a lot of times, particularly with, with early or young teams, is that everybody was running around with four hats and they just complain the whole time. <sighs> Or has exhausted, you know, burning out and everything else. But then all of a sudden, you you start growing the team and you start taking their four hats and make it down to one. And they underestimate the emotional journey of going from four to one. And they keep looking over at the other people wearing some of their old hats, and they go, "Well, if I had the time and resources, I could have done this and that." And so that's part of the the journey is helping them get through that. Uh, but but it's about to me, you've got to build a team that serves the mission of the organization. And sometimes you had to take a step back and say, what's the best thing for the, the organization? And sometimes that necessarily, the perception is, is not the best thing for them. But the reality is, it is the best thing for them. Putting them in the absolute place to succeed should be your job. And if they can't succeed or they can't succeed with what the organization needs, then they need to be guided to a place where they can thrive. And maybe that's internally or maybe it's somewhere else. And that's hard, hard. So, but... Going back to building the team, it's knowing, you know, one of the things I've been guilty of is hiring people who look like me. And that has some upside, but mostly downside, you know, because then what I find is that uh, we're all like, it's like a pack of squirrels and um, it's hard to build a company with a, with a pack of squirrels, right? So I need, I need all the people to kind of be involved. Right? Uh, let's, let's hit pause and, and hit double click on that one too, because I think that's another piece of sage advice. Initially, I mean, the comment that you made was, is that it's better that people don't look like me and have different skill sets. Can you kind of expound upon that um, a bit more? 
So, you know, one of my challenges as a visionary is a lot of time, I think my ideas are the best ones and, uh, and I'm willing to throw an elbow to fight for my idea. But what I have found is that when I surround myself with people who challenge me, that a lot of times the solution that we come up with is so much better than whatever I was thinking. Right. And if I don't, if I'm not aware of that, like I have to bring others and allow them to, I have to create an environment where they can challenge me. And we can challenge each other. You know, one of the things I talk about, this is, the. I want to make sure everybody gets this, is not about you against them. It's about us against the problem. And so focusing on the problem, that means you got to build a team who can bring all these different perceptions around that problem so that you can get to a better solution. Otherwise, it'll never be bigger than anything I can think of. And by the way, that same feeling I have when it's in my bones that I know what absolutely the right thing is, it happens to be the exact same feeling I go through when I'm wrong. So I need people around me who can <laughs> challenge me and push uh, me and the solution to be a better place. And I think that's, if there's, you know, maybe it's, I know it's not me, but there's a lot of us rugged individuals who that's a, that's a long journey to learn. And, uh, and I still get reminded all the time. Uh, actually, you said I'm CEO and president. I'm actually bringing somebody in as president. And one of the unique uh, talents that they have is that they don't believe everything I say. And I, I love that, right? There's a time where I didn't, but now I'm like, oh, bring it on because I know it's going to be a better thing. So wonderful. Such sage advice, um, I will say. What has been the evolution of that process for you to, as opposed to, because I think typically, um, you know, it, it's in our nature that I, I want to believe. And, you know, I, I agree with you, the chemicals that flow through me of my righteous, you know, thoughts or beliefs or systems, they feel a hundred percent correct and on point. How, how, how was it for you to get to the point where, oh, I need to see the values in others and I may not have the right viewpoints. And in fact, other people's viewpoints will actually enrich our decision-making as an organization. Well, I tell you, I wish that that journey uh, didn't involve the scars and the financial, uh, <laughs> financial, but what I paid to learn that, right? It's when I doggedly went down something and I forced it and then find out that it was wrong or it, it never, what was in my head wasn't the reality, what it could be because I, I wound up kind of pushing it through alone and not bringing the whole team along, right? To me, that's what it, it's, you know, you just kind of learn uh, failure is not a person. It's a point in time. And, and I got a lot of those, right? And, and the real thing is when you do fail, step back and say, what was this? What was I supposed to learn here? And then try not to, try not to learn twice. <laughs> just learn the first time. I'm, I'm guilty of sometimes I keep going back to the well and stumbling again. But uh, yeah, that's to me uh, what really helps. Just learn from your failures. And, and then when you really look and say, how did I fail? It's because I didn't, uh, I didn't enable the team around me for us to win together, right? And for them to, to challenge and, and to bring, you know, I had a great, uh, I had one run at a company and I had a CTO. And he kind of took me out, you know, I was a CEO. He kind of took me out to the woodshed. He was like, John, whenever you come up with these ideas, I need you to filter them through me and I need you to give me 48 hours, Right. And in 48 hours, he would come back with whatever I had thought of. And it was like this so much better than anything I ever could have dreamed. And it was like, that's the power of a team. 
they can see what I can see. They see the perceptive, right? And they're going to make sure I don't stumble or at least my vision gets fully crafted in the market, right? That helps a lot. Gosh, love it. Thank you for sharing those things. This is a broad topic, but if there's, you know, kind of, if you were to kind of place, what are some, you know, top three things that you've learned kind of as your evolution to being like a, you know, a CEO, a president, um, if you were to just kind of list off the three most important lessons, if you've already talked about them, that's fine, but I'm just kind of curious to know in your journey, what, what have those been for you? Well, I think the journey is the good is a good word to start with one of those. We suffer alone and we struggle together. And uh, I almost get emotional just talking about this, but I think part of being an entrepreneur is just being in love with the struggle. Like, you know, more fate, if anyone knows it is love your fate, you know, good times never last, neither do the bad times, right? But knowing that it is a journey and that that you're on one and all the people that you bring along is on one. And just kind of give it in perspective. I try not to, I do my best that there's no, really no ups and downs. I'm just on a, I'm in a train and sometimes I look to the left and there's thunderstorms and sometimes to the right, there's sunshine, but we're just on this great journey. And to me, if you look at the things that you were most proud of in your life, it was probably great struggles with others to do great, bold things. And that's the, the perspective I think that helps me pivot, helps me get up the next day, helps me figure out the next problem. And then, you know, so there's that. Uh, The second one is um, leadership is not a move. It's not a, it's not a word play. You know, I know there's some great stuff out there where they talk about leadership in there, but I think a lot of it just has to do with serving the organization and the people. So really understanding yourself and then using that understanding as a lens to understand the people that you're leading. That's the second thing that's probably most has been really impactful for my journey. And, and you're never done, right? You've never like mastered it, right? It's always, always a thing. And then, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the third part of it is um, surround yourself. You're, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with great annually, right? I'm not saying, you know, push people away. They're not quality people, but make sure that you are constantly on that growth journey. And that you're surrounding yourself uh, with people who have the interest of seeing you succeed. And, and likewise, you want them to succeed. Those are the people that when you're down, you know, as a, you know it's, it's lonely sometimes at the top. But you need people who've been there, you know, mentors, a network of people that you can tap into. And so you got to create a, a community and, and you got to keep, keep plugged in. If there's anything that I think I have struggled and many have struggled through with COVID, is that we, it was like a two-year window where we lost that. I mean, how many times you said, hey, uh, Jimmy, when's the last time we talked? And you're thinking in your mind it was six months ago and you find out it was three years ago, right? So I think that's this third thing about, you know, being connected with others and the community um, and the network. That's, that's super, super important. Mm. Thank you so much, John. That's wonderful. One of the things that we talk about um, as well for founders uh, one of the things that's a bit more difficult is uh, we'll call it self-care. <laughs> and we, you know, what we've kind of come to recognize is that it's, it's easy to consider all of the demands of the business, uh, the employees and those types of things. 
do you have, uh, you know, maybe practices or maybe like three things that you do to kind of help refresh you as somebody that's leading a business, leading people, those types of things? So one, you have absolutely got to unplug from whatever this noise is in social media, right? Um, to me, the worst of the world comes to you at, at just a, a, a volume that we're just not humanly possible to react to. I call it the crisis of crises. And as an entrepreneur, I got my own crisis of crises internally and then trying to deal with all the external crises of crises. So you got to unplug from that and detox uh, from that. The second thing, uh, and this is, this is one that I just, I, I, I lean in really hard and I forget, but you have got to move. And what I mean by you got to move, I don't, I don't exercise, whatever, you know, to me, it's like, you can see, I, I eat well, just walking, right? Uh, one of the things that I've, I've kind of instituted is a, a lot of walking meetings. There's just something about walking with someone, uh, even when it's like a conflict or anything else, or you're just struggling through something, there's something about you having to walk. It, it, you have to look at where you're going and where you're stepping and, and you have to be aware of your surroundings. And somehow for me and, and what I see others, is it then puts your brain in the place that whatever it is that you're talking about is is the right flavor, is the right vibration. I, I, it just walk, right? Just move, right? You've got you've got to move. And then the 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 last thing which I did talk about earlier is this amore fate and just being in love with the journey, right? Just uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, screwed that one up, right? Forgiving yourself, I think, is one of the you know, I even to this day. Uh, you know, more fate to me is 10% of your day is aspiring for the future, not worrying about the future, but aspiring for the future. 10% of your day is looking at the past and saying, what was I supposed to learn? And 80% of that is about being in today. And to me, the today piece, and I'm a big fan of Jimmy V. So anybody knows who Jimmy V is, I'm getting older. So Jimmy Vivano is not someone that people know, but he said something about um, every day, something you should do every day. And I, I really try to do this every day. Uh, first thing he says is you got to laugh, right? You know, the second thing uh, you have to do is you have to think, right? And a good think is feels good. And the third thing is you have to be so emotionally moved, it brings you to tears of joy. And that one is the one uh, I think is where we have the greatest opportunity. So he says, you know, if every day you're doing those three things and you do it every day and you do that for a week, that's a pretty damn good week. You do that every month, right? It's a pretty good month. You do that all year. That was a great year. And so I'm always trying to, to, to find ways to, to laugh it off, right? Where's the humor in this? Uh, trying to get a quality think. And then sometimes just take a step back and, and feel how blessed I am. It's so easy to find all the problems. But, you know, here we, uh, we're reporting this, that, you know, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Uh, I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. Uh, the family I have around me, the, the, the challenges and the the, the the struggle and the team I have to struggle with. I mean, it's just like, it does almost bring me to tears a day. This, this tremendous opportunity and responsibility. It's like, ah, oh, this is, this is where life is. Right. Here's my, here's my spin on that. But oh, man, so I see it. That's great. That's great. Well, John, I think, um, I don't know if there's any other thing that I want to talk about, you know, typically what we like to do on this podcast is kind of you know, as I said, the savage to sage, it, it seems my impression is that so much of your journey has just been kind of meditated in uh, 
the sage, uh, or not meditated, but it's just through experience. There's so much sage wisdom that you've that you've offered us today, and so I just want to say thank you uh, for that. I'm thankful for your journey. I'm excited. I spent most of this podcast taking notes because everything that you you kind of shared it really resonated uh, with me, and so I just want to say thank you for your time. And um, I'm excited for how this will bless our viewers and uh, for the work that you're doing with Purpose HQ. Thank you. And uh, I, I, thank you for allowing me to be part of it. And I, I hope everybody uh, finds a way to put purpose back into to work and enjoy the journey and be pleased with the people around them and how they're going to make the journey better, right? Struggle together boldly. I do that. That's what it's yeah. all about. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'll have to confirm this, but we'll need to make sure that we have your, all of your information in the show notes when it's released, um, so that people can kind of connect directly, uh, with, you know, purpose HQ and to your, all of your information as well. Thank you for listening to today's interview to view show notes or hear more episodes. Please visit www.savagetosage.com.